0: Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. I'm blessed to have you with me today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today is our first episode in the month of October, and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Now, I know that many of you who listen to the show have an experience with an abusive relationship, and that's part of why you've perhaps even come to the Christian Single Moms podcast and Agape Moms. And before I launch into this episode I just want you to know that you're more than a conqueror. And as we consider what it is that we're reflecting on this month, I really want for each woman who's in that situation, or perhaps if you know a woman who's in that situation or is coming out of it, to know that God cares so deeply for the oppressed and that His heart is to set the captives free. And so this month, as I look at our content calendar and what we've got coming up. We're going to be honoring the various parts of our journey when it comes to healing from an abusive relationship. Today, we're going to start off with Andi Kolber. Andi is a therapist and author who has just been so helpful for me in understanding the foundations of trauma. And certainly abuse is one way that we would experience trauma in our lives. There's many others, but also in understanding what it is to go through that experience and to heal and come out the other side. And as it relates to this conversation, sometimes we try different things to get through our trauma. We might go to therapy and we might find that sometimes these things just don't seem to work or that the journey is longer than we want it to be. And we're tempted to try harder. And Andi's approach is all about trying softer and being gentler with ourselves and I believe treating ourselves the way that God treats us. So I'm very excited to bring this conversation with Andi to you today. If you're enjoying the podcast, would you take a moment and leave a ranking or a review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast? It helps other women to find our community and just let them know that there's a place that they belong. Also down in the show notes, if you are new to the podcast, you'll notice a link to a quiz it's called what's your loneliness type loneliness is something that all of us single moms have to deal with but the reasons why we deal with loneliness are different and they don't necessarily have that much to do with whether or not we're in a relationship so if you'd like to learn more about your own experience with loneliness what's causing it and then some of the ways out go ahead and click on that link or head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz In Andi's book, Try Softer, she approaches trauma through the lens of trauma-informed faith. And I think this is so wonderful because I think it's important that we consider ourselves as holistic beings and our experiences, whether they're spiritual or emotional or physical or mental. Andi also has a new book coming out that's a complimentary guide to Try Softer called The Try Softer Guided Journey that's now available that you can look into in the show notes. Here is my conversation with Andi Kolber. Andi, I'm so thrilled to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Andi, I think your work has been so, so, so pivotal for me because it is such, there's such an intersectionality between the way that we recover from trauma and the various parts of ourselves that... You focus so much on integrating our experiences, whether that's our body, our mind, our emotions, our spirit, all and pulling all those things together. And trauma can be somewhat dizzying when we don't really understand what is happening to all those parts of our body. And I think you do such a great job at laying all this out so that we can start to understand and then start to make some headway. So As we get started in the conversation, though, I'd like to know if you would elaborate for us a little bit on this idea of trying softer and how maybe our first inclination and the first ways that we might respond to our trauma might not necessarily be the best for us. Mm. Well, thank you
1: so much, first of all, for saying that and, and for having me. It's it's. This is something I am so passionate about. And this idea of try softer, of trying softer, um, you know, something I've come to say is that it's really the work of my life, meaning it's not something I think I'll ever graduate from. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to graduate from it. Um, But part of some of the backstory is, you know, I grew up in a a chaotic, dysfunctional home with a lot of trauma, a lot of interpersonal trauma, some domestic violence. And so I identify as someone who has complex trauma, who has experienced and survived complex trauma. And so... What was so interesting though, is that part of the way that I survived that is by learning to do what I call white knuckling it, Mm -hmm. white knuckling. And and essentially that was going into one type of trauma, like, well, there's various types of trauma responses, but typically it just meant repressing what I actually needed or what I actually felt um, to do whatever... I felt like needed to be done in that moment. So if it was being an achiever, if it was like over accommodating somebody else, if it was, it always involved um, ignoring mm. the reality of the experience that was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And I and I, as I say that, I want to be clear that that was valid and is valid mm. in the context of that experience. Like that, like I, I purposely use the words "that's how I survived" because I didn't have a choice. That's how my body learned to adapt um and for that i'm grateful'm I'm, I'm grateful that i was able to survive those situations but as i grew and there wasn't a lot of language i was always looked at as being very strong um on the outside people viewed me as someone like well she's got it down like mm-hmm. she's figuring it out like you get good grades and i you know i was an athlete and um just known as a good kid and on the outside i, I had all these things put together mm-hmm. but on the inside Um, it was, it was war and it was pain and it was anxiety and it was depression and dissociation Mm -hmm. and it was a hard way to live. And so as I grew, I didn't have any language for my internal experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that what I had gone through was actually not normal in some ways. Like I kind of knew I had a sense, but I didn't know to what extent And so, as I, you know, went into ultimately like went into graduate school to become a therapist, and this is when I was just beginning to unpack just like some of my story. And I, this is when I started to realize like, oh, there's a lot here. Mm -hmm. There's a lot here. And as I continued, it took a couple more years. I mean, really, this has been this whole process, but I had a, a supervisor. Who said to me, he said, Andy, because I was I was working so hard and I cared about my clients so much. But he said, what if instead of, of trying so hard, would there be a way you could try softer? Mm. And that was just this moment where things didn't change like a light switch, but it did instigate something in me where I began to understand my story in a different way. And so Trisofter for me has come to really mean learning to pay compassionate attention Mm -hmm. to my own experience. It's learning to, you know, essentially stay integrated in my body and in my nervous system so that I can observe what's happening without sort of getting lost in it. Mm -hmm. And so it has been a process. I mean, I have been doing this work for, um, gosh, something like 15 years and and yet that the that paradox of like it's the work of my life mm-hmm. like it's it's really not about like ooh look i crossed that finish line it's more of this is how i want to be in the world mm-hmm. and with myself
0: i love that phrase of compassionate attention because i resonate completely with this description of life as you've mentioned it as far as this overachieving Mm -hmm. and this striving and you use the word ignore that even in all of this doing we may end up ignoring the experience that we're having internally But that by engaging our own attention and being compassionate in doing that and not judging ourselves, that we start on a new trajectory and that it's an invitation to a new way of living. That we're not going to necessarily arrive at any one point, but that we continue to experience deeper layers of healing and of Accepting ourselves and then moving through the implications of what that means for our faith experience and our relationships and those types of things. Because, as you said, this is now the work of our lives, but Mm -hmm. it really is in paying good attention to ourselves and in loving ourselves. And one of the things that you mentioned here, though, is being integrated and understanding what's going on in my brain, what's going on in my nervous system. So, for Mm -hmm. a woman maybe who's not very familiar with what trauma does and how we start to react and respond, even just in our nervous system. Can you give just a brief layout for an understanding of that?
1: Yes. And and I'll just say there can be more a lot more nuance to than what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. but I hopefully this will give a good overview. A couple of things to know is that one of the ways my working definition of trauma is anything that overwhelms our nervous system's capacity to cope. Mm-hmm. And thereby, whatever that experience, emotion, sensation is, it actually gets stuck in our body. That's like the definition of the fact that we are overwhelmed by it. Mm. That's how we know we're overwhelmed by it, is that it remains stuck. Mm. And so, you know, there's both big T trauma and little T trauma. And both of those are valid. Um, And and really, I think, you know, I won't go into all the details of that right now, but that, but when you just come back to this idea of trauma, essentially part of what it works, it goes hand in hand with our window of tolerance. So, Our body has a range of arousal in which we can feel our feelings or we can have an experience um, before we go outside of that window. And we will move either into fight or flight or even potentially fawn, Mm -hmm. or we will go down into like a freeze or a dissociation or an immobilization. What's important to understand is that a lot of this is based off of our body's perception Mm -hmm. of threat. So what that means is, is that if you have had a history of trauma, your body may be more apt to perceive experiences that are actually safe as dangerous or as unsafe. Mm -hmm. And and essentially, practically part of what that means is, is that your range, your window of tolerance in some areas may be more narrow Mm -hmm. because your body is sort of having be a little bit more alert to danger. It's sort of like it's happened in the past and it could happen again. And this is especially true, really primarily true with unresolved trauma. Um, almost by definition, when we've worked through that trauma, it helps our body come back to a homeostasis and we're going to be able to perceive things a little bit more accurately.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With that though, I think what's I want to add, I, I try to add things like this because I think it's important. There's no shame. If you are a person who has experienced trauma and this is true for you, like you're more apt to go into, like, let's say you're more apt to go into your trauma or stress response. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you're bad or you're weak. It just means that your body, our bodies are constantly giving us information. And so you know, so with trauma, that's how those things go hand in hand, that if those experiences are still stuck in our body,
0: mm-hmm. those
1: are sort of like the the signals to that our nervous system utilizes to say, "Ooh, this is similar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. We need to avoid it mm-hmm. at all costs, you know? And so we may, you know, our body will pick from a range of different responses based off of our, our bodies, let me just say, are so brilliant like god designed our bodies it's actually amazing and even as hard as it can be to have a trauma response it's so helpful to understand that the body is doing what it's doing to help keep us safe
0: mm-hmm. like
1: like that is the motivation it's not to be difficult it's not to be like whatever you know fill in the blank that i think we come to see about ourselves the primary motivation is safety mm-hmm. And so, you know, as we come back to, you know, this original, this theme of compassionate attention and all this that comes with it, it's like when we understand why our body does what it does, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think a lot of times it helps with compassion,
0: Mm
1: And I, I think the one other thing I would just add about the nervous system that's important for someone who's just learning about this to know is that when you go into a trauma response, um, your prefrontal cortex, which is sort of, I'm you know, pointing to my forehead. This is a part of our brain that helps keep us integrated. It's a part of our brain. That's really special in the sense that it is like what helps things get really organized mm-hmm. in us. When that goes offline we're really coming from that bottom part of our brain. And so just there's a there's a really significant, this is just significant. Mm-hmm. Because what it means is that we're not necessarily operating from our full self. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so as we begin to have compassion, we can soften into learning to stay with ourselves from an integrated place while observing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what's happening in us, like Mm -hmm. observing, like, oh, I'm having a beginning of a response, Mm -hmm. but can I help myself through that. Can I ask for help? Can I do, you know, lean into a resource? And 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 so it's really a game changing Mm -hmm. way to be. Mm
0: -hmm. And as I understand window of tolerance, when that window is smaller, if we're maybe at the beginning of our work or we're just starting to become aware of this, that's where we may start to have the sense that wow, I get triggered a lot. Wow, I'm starting to like I feel like I lose control. To, like very often, and it's something that, as you mentioned in your book, it's something we can expand. And mm-hmm. the ability to expand that it does take some time, and that is the part that can be somewhat frustrating. But if we understand that this is a window that literally we're trying to open a little bit wider, that mm-hmm. I think even just that picture gives us the sense that like this is going to be a little bit at a time. But also, again, as you mentioned, sometimes when those trigger moments happen, our brains are offline. So our thinking brain rather, our, our problem mm-hmm. solving, our reasoning. So that's why we can't reason our way through this. That's why we can't just say some magical thing to ourselves and like fix it because we're literally in that survival mode. So as it comes to getting out of survival mode, though, if we want to mm-hmm. start being compassionate towards ourselves and want to start opening up that window, Andy, what are some things that we can just start At the very, very outset, if we're just getting started with this, with starting to engage a little bit, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you for those comments because that's absolutely true. This is such a big idea, which is what I love about it because there's like room Mm -hmm. to like work with it, Mm -hmm. and it's true that you know as we begin to honor and notice. And work with, you know, a lot of times, and for me personally, and, and for some of my clients, which not not everyone, um, I would talk about it through the lens of reparenting, mm,
0: yeah. um, mm-hmm.
1: and, and really what that means is like um, reparative, you know. So so not everybody's trauma happened in childhood, which is totally valid, but any trauma requires repair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's the work. Mm. And so when we're expanding our window of tolerance, it's easy to want to rush it. Yes. <laughs> it's easy. It's so tempting. And I know I can't tell you the number of folks I've worked with who are like, okay, so how long? Yes. <laughs> like, how many? What's it? Like, what is exactly the timeline? You know, yes. and, and like, I get it. And I it's like, I get where that comes from. And I've, I've walked through that too. But I think part of it is just beginning to accept, mm. to have an acceptance, almost a respect. For like, well, it makes sense that my window of tolerance is smaller.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. I've been through some things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like,
1: um, of course it is. Yes. A yeah. little bit. Right. You know? And even like, thank you, body. Mm. Like, thank you. Wow. Like you have brought me through, mm-hmm. you know, by the grace of God, like I am still here. And I think that's you know not everybody can access that gratitude early on, and that is okay. Yeah, but it's like this constant dance of first just beginning to have an awareness, mm-hmm. like oh, this is this is kind of how things work, and this is why things are the way they are. I think as we as we begin to continue in the work, though, um, one of the things I can't say enough about is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Curiosity. It's really interesting, Dr. Dan Siegel, who you know I. I quoted a lot in my book and just really respect his work. Um, He says, and I don't remember where he says it, but he says that the brain signature of resilience Mm. is curiosity. Mm. Mm. And what I love about that is because curiosity is a way we can engage something that's new, perhaps even scary in a way that May help us stay a little bit in our window Mm -hmm. of tolerance because Mm -hmm. when we talk about expanding our window, again, it can't be pushed, it can't be rushed, but it can sort of be danced with.
0: Mm.
1: And so it's sort of like we have one foot in our window, and maybe then we have one foot in something that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. This is the place where that the expanding actually happens because we have to have access to that window because that's actually what resources the parts or or even the things that are feeling scary or overwhelming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, and, and, you know, from a brain view, part of that is that you've still got some access to your prefrontal cortex. You from polyvagal theory, it means you have access to ventral vagal energy. And in doing this, the curiosity can sort of be a guide. Mm -hmm. Just like, I wonder, you know, like, let's say it's, you know, some sort of trauma that's around like interpersonal, relational, you know, and let's just say that someone you know is, um, you're noticing when you're with them that you get a little bit activated Mm -hmm. and you're noticing that them wanting to be helpful, let's just say that, feels threatening, Mm -hmm. feels a little overwhelming. You know, I think there are often people cut this into two things and they're like, well, one, you know, they say, well, then just cut that person off. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just an automatic no. Mm
0: -hmm. Right.
1: And then the other side is, is like, well, try new things and just let it happen. Yeah. Right.
0: And in but the middle of it, you're like, ah, neither of those feels comfortable. Neither of those feels right.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, maybe neither one is mm.
0: in the sense that
1: part of what we are wanting to do is we want to honor the information our body's giving us. Like, mm. like, let's say like this person wants to be helpful and, but I'm noticing that my heart is racing a little bit and I feel like I'm just a little bit overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just first, maybe I'm just noticing that like, huh? Okay. You know, that's, that's the curiosity. Like I'm just letting it like even non-judgmentally as much as possible, like mm-hmm. exist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then maybe let's just say the next time I see this person, they they do it again. And I set a limit with them, just like a gentle, respectful limit. Maybe it's not even gentle. It's just, it's a limit. And they respond really well. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that totally makes sense. Thank you so much for telling me. Absolutely. So now we have a new piece of information to be curious about. Mm-hmm. We have a new piece of information to, to be with our body to say, okay, how do I interpret? What am I experiencing with that? And if that continues, and if this person continues to show like, oh, wow, they're respectful, they're listening, they're not perfect, but they're, they're doing things in a way that actually line up.
0: Mm-hmm. They're,
1: they are in alignment with who they say they are. This may help me to understand that the activation in my body is valid but maybe something that just more needs to be tended to
0: mm-hmm.
1: versus information that this person is not safe.
0: Yes. Right. You could take that exact
1: situation and reverse it. Like you set a boundary and the person is like, wow, I guess you're kind of high maintenance. And then they ghost you. And then they like, you know, and, and, but you're still experiencing that, experiencing that information. Mm-hmm. That's an example of like your body, maybe picking up not only maybe some parts from your story, but also Mm -hmm. in this present moment, this person perhaps doesn't deserve your trust or time. Mm. So I just share those like there is so much nuance and this is where that compassionate attention is such a, a help. Because it's about attending. Mm-hmm. bringing that curiosity. And so, you know, I know your original question was, you know, like a person just starting off, but I guess just going back, like curiosity is just like this little rope that you can that you can pull on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and then the last thing I'll say because I say this pretty much anytime I talk about any kind of trauma, because it's just such an easy, resource. Um, If you are beginning to notice, if you're a listener and you're beginning to notice like, gosh, I go out of my window a lot. Hmm. One of the things that I would just encourage you to do um, is to utilize, it's something called grounding and, and you're probably already familiar with it, but it's just such a helpful resource because it's like, you can, you can do it all the time, almost anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I would just say, if you're noticing, like, let's say you're getting angry, let's say you're starting to feel kind of disconnected from your body. Let's say you feel, you know, this, that you're the intensity in your body is too much. Um, grounding is a way that we can sort of use our sense, our five senses to come into the present moment. Mm-hmm. And I often say, if at all possible, go outside. Because nature is one of the best resources for getting grounded, but we can do it anywhere. And and part of what you're doing, you know, a really common one um, is using like Five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can touch, two things you can smell, and one thing you could taste. Um, but there's lots of variations of that. Um, and I talk about some different variations like in Trisofter, in the softer Guided mm-hmm. Journey. But that's another one that's like, if especially if you're early on, but really any time in your journey. I just can't. I love grounding so much. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You know, and it's it's helpful in getting to the place of curiosity because sometimes in that moment when you are just triggered and even if it is an interaction with another person and you're feeling unsafe and I need to escape and I need to get out of here, that when you're first starting out, that's valid. And so grounding is one of those yes. things, it's even it's just some deep breathing, it just pulls you out of the moment, out of the mm-hmm. that that intensity and then You can get back online with the curiosity once you settled. So it gives you the opportunity to relax for a moment, relax into that, and then go, okay, what was that really about? And as you said, I can explore, is it because this is something that is a tension of my past that I want to continue to work through and this is actually maybe a safe or benign situation Or is it something that, no, this is actually my body doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And this is very familiar because it is very similar and I should get away from this. And, Mm -hmm. but as we start to explore the why did they do that or why did i do that and that kind of thing then that curiosity actually can lead us into those places as you said where we may be more apt to set boundaries or we may be more apt to explore that relationship and see if it's possible to have a mm-hmm. connection there or if there's going to be a rejection and mm-hmm. that's where that that curiosity then just continues to actually just empower you i think is is really what mm-hmm. i felt you know in that but it does start with something so simple as taking in your present surroundings or deep breathing or whatever, you know, the the, the um, technique might be for you specifically. And for me, they changed, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're not always the same, but it's something that there is a lot of, of liberty here in trying different things and helping you to work through and make sense of the sure. situation. But as we're talking about making sense of things on some of this though, in, we have to engage our past. We do have to engage mm-hmm that story perhaps and many of us as we've done years and years of work we're still unraveling those layers and at the beginning it can be very difficult to sit with those parts of our story that are extremely painful and uncomfortable I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I've found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. So when it comes to the role of story and how we can engage that Um, I know some women may be already in counseling or some may um, be thinking about it. Some may not really be sure if it's right for them, but how does counseling intersect with this and relationships and those types of things where we can start to learn to revisit the past and start to heal?
1: Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's so interesting to me about story, um, there's a couple of things I'll say. The first is is just to understand that part of story is to understand that it really is how we make sense of our experiences. That is kind of, you know, in in my view and in my work, that's what that's what the story is. Mm-hmm. It's like we had an experience and the story is the product of how we make sense of it. And that's not always ultimately the most the story that's produced is not always the most helpful one. For example, like for kiddos, like, you know, some folks may have already heard this idea, but like, Oftentimes, it's important to explain things to kids, um, not in a way that's overwhelming, but enough information because otherwise they will fill in the story themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. It's also important, like to understand, for example, um, like let's say kids go through something really hard when they're young. Um, it's developmentally appropriate that um, they're egocentric and oftentimes what happens to kiddos is that they begin to blame themselves for pain that they could literally not control in any way. Mm -hmm. Again, that's a function of story. And so I share that because I, one of my main orientations as a therapist is body centered. I'm I'm very much, um, I, I use a lot of somatic perspective in the work that I do. And part of why I love this is um, in understanding there's a therapist, her name's Deb Dana. And she says it this way, that story follows state. Hmm. Here's what that means is that the story we create and even the story that we project on a situation is often indicative of our nervous system state. So like if I'm thinking about my past from a place of like, let's say dissociation, that will often be connected to feeling like despair.
0: Hmm.
1: So I will often how I tell the story will a lot of times that despair will be one of the main things that colors the story. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's in that sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, it's it's it can be colored more by like the mobilization energy, like the fight or like I had to I have to get out of there or people are really unsafe. Mm-hmm but when i'm coming from that window of tolerance or the ventral vagal there is also there's more of a possibility to even with painful experiences from our past to bring in the resources of our present mm-hmm. to bring in the resources of who we are right now you know sometimes in my work i'll call it like my adult self or it's my present day self or sometimes it's my wise self mm-hmm. um in faith community sometimes we call it true self mm-hmm. and i love this understanding. Because sometimes we're not yet ready to engage the past. Mm -hmm. And that's because our body has not gained safety in the present.
0: Mm, That's so good. So if you
1: are a person that this feels really like, oh yeah, like that's some work I'm going to need to do. I would just so encourage you to find someone to work with who can help you build resources in the present that help you feel safe in the here and now. Mm -hmm. This work, it can seem so paradoxical, but it's like the safety of the present is part of the repair to the past. Mm. It's part of the way we help the past know we're safe now. It's over now. Mm. And even if something has some ongoing parts in the future, we can continue to resource the here and now to even begin to know like, the people that can hold our story, the moments that can hold our story, the spaces that can hold our story, the God that can hold our story. Mm. And as we do that, you know, I think my experience has been that as people like, for example, like if we do trauma work like EMDR, um, which stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So that's a modality that I use. And I find that often after the processing, And not that there's not story involved, there is, but it's become more integrated and then the new story comes. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So I've become very aware in my own work to not push the story. The new story, though important, it's also like, it's all the bottom up processing. It's Mm -hmm. the way that that trauma has been stuck in our body as that becomes more safer and interfaces with the present and the resources of the present and the nourishment of the present, those things begin to transform. And we can see more clearly a lot of times the truth, like maybe the more real Mm -hmm. story.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love this because I think the present is something maybe we have sense that we have now more influence over that the past is over. It's behind us, but Mm -hmm. I get to choose in this present moment the direction I want to head, that I can have a little more influence over where that might be be going. And I can engage spiritually with the Lord and feel His presence in this present moment and know that I am safe as I'm moving forward through my story. Mm -hmm. And I've found this very same thing, though, that because now I've learned how to receive from him and how to have compassion for myself. Now I can look Mm -hmm. back at Michelle in the past and have so much more compassion for her. And the story completely changes when we start to, we can, I I just look at it as like, I'm able to see myself past, present, and future through God's compassionate, loving eyes. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I love the depiction of this also though, because as moms, we are guiding our kids through the same process. Like if you are a single mom, the circumstances surrounding your single motherhood very often are traumatic and they're Mm -hmm. traumatic for your children. And as we're building out context for ourselves though, for where we are now, we're doing that same thing. So as you said, sometimes maybe we did as kids, we experienced something difficult and traumatic. And we filled in the blanks in ways that helped us survive. But now we're we're wanting to rewrite. And we have the ability, whether our kids absorb it or not, we have the ability to to offer some of that same compassion and context from an external space. And mm-hmm. just let that be a another narrative that they can grab onto. And whether or not they grab it right now, it's something that that framework is laid. And it's something mm-hmm. that we can trust to God's hands as we're raising these little ones that perhaps he would bring that to their remembrance at a really important moment. Mm -hmm. And that's really where we have, I think, a lot of agency in taking our kids alongside of us in this healing journey. Mm -hmm. Um, Though sometimes I know when we have to engage the work on ourselves, it's something we have to prioritize that because we're not going to be able to do that unless we know what that feels like for ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know for myself, it, there were times where, you know, it just, you, I don't know if neglect is the right word, but you feel like, oh, I'm not giving them what they need, but it's like, no, no, no. Taking care of yourself. That is giving them <sighs> what they need.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, that's such a good point. And I think, you know, for single moms, like, gosh, I mean, I just want to affirm, like, what a big, load that is Mm -hmm. like that, that is, that's significant. And yet what we know, what we know from attachment is exactly what you're saying. And it can get like there can be cliches around this and all this stuff, but essentially as parents, as a mom, um, you are one of the best resources in your kid's life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Your regulated nervous system Is it like, I don't want to say it's everything, but it's so significant for your kids. Mm -hmm. Like we can want the very best for our kids, but I mean, we really cannot give what we don't have. Mm -hmm. If our kids are struggling or having a hard time, but we're totally dysregulated, we don't have the resources to offer them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that your love is not valid. It doesn't mean that you don't care. none of those things, it's not about that. It's that from a very practical place that as you gain the skills to sort of stay with yourself, mm-hmm. to move through pain. And, and I think it's important to say, this doesn't mean it always look like being calm all the time. It's knowing how to feel your feelings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's being with your kiddo in the heart, in the way that God is with us. There is a withness that is just ingrained and embedded in this work. Mm-hmm. And it really is this sense that you know, I, I think as, as a mom, there's a dance. I mean, I use this word all the time, but there is, there's just always a, there's a movement to this yeah. work. Yeah. There has to be, because sometimes we have to attune to our kids and then we come back to ourselves and we attune and we come back and then we, you know, and, and it's, it's rarely stagnant mm-hmm. um, when we're, when we're actually engaging it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's really how we're designed. I mean, love your neighbor as yourself is, has a, a movement embedded in it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think though, especially for women, we're often so, socialized to, and praised Mm -hmm. for ignoring Mm -hmm. our needs, our experience, our emotions, our anger. Right. And so, you know, maybe this'll be an invitation and even feel like a a permission for someone listening to say your work really matters. Mm -hmm. Like your actual personal work to be with yourself and to move toward healing. It matters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love this idea of this fluidity because that is that's what relationship really is it's the give the receive and there's so much movement in that and it's not just it's modeled out in our lives to our kids but the lord models it to us and this is one more thing i wanted to ask you to just detail for us a little bit of that reparenting that you mentioned earlier but the mm-hmm. fact that god reparents us that we can learn to engage with him in a way that we reparent ourselves and that that's really where then this ability to be present and engaged then can move on to our children.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways, you know, God meets us. Um, But I, I have experienced and I have known many people who've experienced God as a parent and as a safe attachment, as a secure attachment, and even sometimes when everyone else Mm -hmm. hasn't been able to be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the opposite. Like sometimes we don't always experience God as secure and then someone else is secure for us Mm -hmm. and we can learn to experience God as secure. So there's, again, there's fluidity there, but it is this beautiful, beautiful, like mutuality. There's a risk. There's a reciprocity. Um, even, you know, when we think about like the Trinity and that there is a, there is, there's movement there. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we, it, it really is like one of the things I talk about sometimes with compassionate attention is really that we are stewarding, what God already thinks about us. Mm-hmm. Like this is not something that we earn or like now God feels this way. Like it is available. Mm-hmm. It is, it is the truth. It's the reality. And, and often a prayer of mine is God, give me eyes to see it. Cause it's not going away, Yeah. but can I engage it? Mm-hmm. Can I, can I, ex- you know, God help me experience it and steward that then mm-hmm. to myself. And that's that's the reparenting is this is the stewarding then, mm-hmm. both from God and even from other people in our life who love us. You know, for folks who are in therapy, it's like the way those experiences you have in therapy that are reparative, can we steward that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and allow our other parts our protective parts, our wounded parts, can they get to experience that? To the people in our other people in our lives who love us, can we steward that and then allow the parts of us that are still hurting to also mm-hmm. get to experience that too? Mm-hmm. And so really, the I, I think you're hitting on exactly like the fluidity and the mutuality. Is such a key part of this work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I love this word attunement. I think that's, if I could think of what's one word that describes my experience, my healing, my recovery, Mm. it's attunement. And it's, As we said earlier, sometimes you start from a place of ignoring your feelings and ignoring your experience. And as you learn to attune to yourself, you're actually, as you said, you're learning to tap into something that's already there. And so as as often as you want to visit it, visit God's love for you, visit his compassion, it's there. And so it's Mm -hmm. learning to make that a regular experience where ignoring has been the regular experience. It's now saying, I want to attune. I want to connect to this. (laughs) And then that's where we have, as we receive that, the ability to continue to then to pass it on and be more attuned to our kids needs and more Mm. attuned to the relationships around us. And that's just where I'm just feeling it even right now. It's just where, (laughs) you know, that just all it's, it is that, that, that's where, how the spirit just, continues Mm. to flow through each and every one of us and offer healing and love and encouragement. And it really is though, in just becoming aware of ourselves in our current state and Mm. opening ourselves up to receiving what is already available for Mm.
1: us. Yes. It's so beautiful.
0: Andy. you have given us so much to start with though, Mm. in just understanding this work and continuing to engage in this work. As we end the conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there's just one thing that you would want a Mm. single mom to know, what would it be? Mm. It would
1: be, maybe there's a couple, but I'll keep it short. (laughs) Um, It would be that your pain and your story is valid and you are worthy of love
0: and care. Mm. So good. Thank you, Andi. I appreciate that reminder. Mm. Andi, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow along with you?
1: Yes. Yep. So I have um, my book, Softer, and you can find that wherever books are sold. Um, and then I just am releasing the Softer Guided Journey. And that is a companion book to Softer. and would love for folks to check that out. It's kind of my goal and my aim with that has been to deepen mm-hmm. sort of the practices and the engagement of, of really of the tri-softer sort of practices. And so I would love for folks to check that out. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Andy Kolber or Twitter at Andy Kolber.
0: And I will have links to those available in the show notes to make it easier for listeners to find all those resources. But thank you so much for sitting down with me today, Andi.
1: It has been a pleasure.
0: If you enjoyed this conversation, I'd like to suggest a couple of others for you that you might enjoy. Check out episode 79, Are You Really Okay? How Getting Honest with Yourself Unlocks Hope and Wholeness with Deborah Felata. Also, there's episode 30, Understanding Trauma, and episode 31, Healing Trauma, both with Christina Chismar. As we wrap up the conversation, I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of resources available for you in the show notes. The first is our guided scripture meditation that goes along with each and every episode that you can find at the Agape Moms YouTube channel. Also, there's a link there to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Agape Moms and to join the private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Lastly, if you'd like to spend some time reflecting in prayer on what you've learned in this episode, check out the link for our free podcast pages, journaling pages. Thanks for spending time with me today. I'm praying for you and that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.